We're back. COVID has rocked our worlds, man. And yet, God willing, we have pressed on adjusting, adapting, pivoting. This podcast was not immune to the pandemic. We had a great thing going in season one, but did have to push the pause button like so many folks and recalibrate for what we hope is an even better season two. One of the hallmarks of Perkett Pod in season one, I believe, was the ability to sit down one-on-one and dig deep, but also have a lot of fun with our guests. Before the pandemic put the skids on our production, we rolled out 11 episodes of Perkett Pod from X Games gold medalist Levi LaValle to a CEO of a worldwide fitness corporation, Lifetime's Baramak Roddy, a global TV star and big-time sports lover, Andrew Zimmern, a world champion boxer, Caleb Truax, an esports phenom, Bear to Beast, a Super Bowl champ, Matt Burke, CEOs, head coaches, team owners, and more. It's a nice high bar that's going to be fun to top, but knowing who we've got lined up this season, I'm pretty giddy. And the good news is we are still able to get some great one-on-one access. We're just doing it now, for the most part, via Zoom, And our first episode of the reboot starts with a franchise player, Viking safety Anthony Harris, who had the franchise tag put on him at the beginning of this past season. Perk and Pond, sometimes he's at play. Perk and Pond, find out what he'll say. Perk and Pond, who's coming on today? Since we're getting ready to unveil a second season of Perkett Pod, it made me think of sequels, specifically sports sequels. And so here now, another edition of Random Ranks. Let's rank the top 11 worst sports movie sequels. And this is actually a not so challenging list because for the most part, sports movie sequels generally suck. And again, as is the case with all my random ranks, this list is entirely subjective, but also devastatingly accurate. (laughs) Okay, number 11. Yeah, we do the top 11. Rocky Five. Now, this might step on some toes because the Rocky franchise is sort of untouchable, but Rocky Three, I thought was going to be pushing it, but Clubber Lang brought it so hard that I was okay with it. Rocky Four, then, I thought was for sure going to be awful, but it might be the best of the whole franchise. And so then I was like, okay, Rocky Five is definitely going to be blasphemously bad. And I believe it. It totally was. I, it lost me at this point. It, it just got so played out and tired. Rocky Five, Tommy Gunn. Uh, it just, I'm out. I'm out on it. And, and I'm, I don't care again if I step on toes with that. Number 10, Karate Kid 2. They go back to Okinawa. It turns into a big Mr. Miyagi love saga. And I just, I, I don't know. I, and the, the, the villain wasn't that villainous. He was too pretty. I just, I don't, it had all the, the usual suspects, but it was just losing Johnny Lawrence was just, it, it, it just lost it for me. Number nine, Air Bud World Pup. There's a, there's a lot of Air Bud movies, but World Pup, which was obviously a play on the World Cup and soccer, was pretty hideous. Number eight, D3, Mighty Ducks. I know this one, too, for Minnesotans is especially untouchable, but I, I just, I, I was so disappointed with this one. And uh, 
golly, uh, God love Gordon Bombay, but this, this, this one just didn't work for me. And I'm so sorry. Number seven, angels in the end zone, a sequel to angels in the outfield. I, it, I don't really need to go into much explanation on this one. It was dreadful. Number six, major league back to the minors which was not major league two. This was like the third sequel in the series. And I think, you know, Corbin Burnson was now the owner, Roger Dorn. And it was just, yeah, forget it. Just stop. Number five, bring it on. Remember the cheerleading movie? Yeah. This was bring it on all or nothing. <laughs> just, uh, we're floundering now. These are really bad. Number four, another Airbud. Uh, <laughs> although the bonus points for the name, Airbud two, the Golden Receiver, as opposed to the Golden Retriever. And yes, I watched it in its entirety, and, and I regret every bit of it. Number three, Caddyshack 2. And, and this one actually wasn't as bad as I thought it would be, but the fact that you would even try to sequelize Caddyshack is, is just heartbreaking. And so it's on the list. Number two, Slapshot 2 see above. I mean, this is the same kind of situation. Why would you try to sequel Slapshot? And they didn't, they waited like year. I think this one came out in 2002. So well after the original and it starred Stephen Baldwin and Gary Busey. It, just enough said. It was, it was horrendous. Uh, although the Hanson brothers did come back, albeit they were much older and it was just, ugh. and number one, Sandlot 2. Why this one was remade. I, and, and it was, I showed like my, I showed my kids Sandlot one and we're just going to call it Sandlot. And, and it was awesome. Obviously it's a magical movie. I showed them Sandlot two. And as an eight year old at the time, my son said, this is horrible. I, <laughs> and when you get that kind of a critique from an eight year old, you're number one on the list. Okay. That wraps it up. It was a season like no other for Viking safety, Anthony Harris, a busy off season that included a pandemic, obviously, which changed the NFL and a social awakening surrounding the death of George Floyd. Harris, an outspoken member of the Vikings social justice committee coming off a breakout season, struggled in trying to be a leader of a defense that had more than its fair share of problems this year. Now, Harris, who had the franchise tag put on him this past season, faces an offseason of uncertainty, really, including speculation he may not be back next season. We caught up with number 41 recently to talk about his work on the field, but we start with his work off the field. Anthony, the last time I spent any time with you, it was when we had a Zoom about uh you know social justice and 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 that and your work with that i, I want to start there again too if, if you don't mind um so much has gone on in this state of minnesota but but beyond far beyond and and you are are on the forefront of at least the vikings endeavors in this regard for social justice and social change and social awareness can you talk about that and how all that's going for you um i've just been trying to you know stay vigilant um continue to be a voice of a reason, not for just in our locker room, but um, for individuals who um, kind of take a notice to, you know, um, what I'm trying to do out in the community in terms of helping bring people together, um, continuing the conversations to help raise awareness so we can continue the conversations to build back towards one another um, and learn to grow um, and develop uh, into a society and a community where 
we all can prosper and, and enjoy one another. Don't you think the NFL has been doing a good job in, in this regard too, collectively? Yes, I think it's been, I think the NFL has done a, a good job collectively, um, you know, partnering with the players, utilizing the, pa- the platform and the resources that they have um, and allowing the players as well to utilize those resources to be able to, you know, vocalize, um, you know, things that are going on within the individual communities, um, talk about how we can take steps towards, you know, bringing different communities together and moving forward, not only as a league, um, but as a country as well. But in the locker room, you've been a vocal uh, participant in, in this regard as far as educating uh, some of your teammates on, on, on some of the things that you've gone through as, as a black man. Am I right? Yeah, well, we've been just trying to, you know, keep it open dialogue. Um, it's a learning process for everyone. Um, me personally and other teammates being able to share experience uh, brings a bit of a light and a little bit of um, surrealness for some guys in the locker room. But I think it's, a, it's been an overall learning experience for everyone. Everybody sharing their stories, um, you know, sharing their input about, you know, different communities that they grew up in, some of the things that they may have had to face, and then just moving forward. Um, how can we all be there for one another and support one another? There has been learning, there has been progress, but as you mentioned, you stay vigilant and that's because there is still so much work to do on this front. Don't you agree? Yeah, I mean, I think, um, that, you know, that there's a lot of things going on in the world. Um, everyone tries to do their part in terms of um, making sure that everybody's safe, everyone feels included and that everyone gets equal opportunity um, so it's, it's not a, it's not a short journey or a one day fix. Um, it's something that can, you know, take generations and to, to come and see change and continue progress, but it's all about just embracing, um, your challenge, your individual role and doing what you can do, um, to help out, whether it's with the progression of your own household, your own community, school systems or area you live in. And, and you talk about the community. That's, that's something that you've been able to get to do as part of the Social Justice Committee. I know you have other causes as well, but you've been, you've been, you've been at least able to, to give back in some of those ways here, here at home, haven't you? Yeah, I've been trying to do what I can. Um, I think football has really, you know, has been a big, a big part of my life as well, not just for the on-field uh, experiences, but the locker room environment as well, the new atmosphere in the different communities, whether it's here in Minneapolis or back home in my hometown. So I think experiencing that, um, you just want to be a bridge for the different communities and, and show people that, you know, there is room to learn, there is room to improve, and we can all live together and enjoy one another at the same time. When it, when it does come time for, for these, you know, out, outreaches and, and works in the community, it has become increasingly challenging, though, in the middle of COVID and the pandemic to get out and about. And, I, you know, I, I, I applaud yourself, but also many, many of, of the NFL players on the Vikings in particular for, for still being able to have those Community Tuesday moments and, and, and elsewhere, you know, not just Tuesdays, but, but do it virtually or however, however else you have to pull it off uh, to make change and to impact lives. Yeah, um, it's, it's been different this year for a lot of us, um, not just in the athletic world, but, you know, at the end of the day, we're all human. Everyone has to go out um, and do their duties or, you know, go and perform at work. So for a lot of guys, you know, that, that translates to showing up on Sundays, Mondays, or whenever we play 
and going and performing at a high level. Um, but I think at the end of the day, during times right now, and as tough as it is with the pandemic and the social justice going on, it's also important for, you know, athletes in general to show that we are human and that we do care what's going on outside of the walls um, and outside of the facilities and that people who need help, um, you know, we're going to try to be there and support and we're going to try to be there as individuals to bring people together and not be divisive. That, that is such a big part of this because you talked about that platform that you have to, to really enact some change and, and really get your voice out there. Um, and yet there is that, you know, part of the population that says you stick to football or whatever, you know what I'm saying? But, but, but it's not like that because like you said, you are human, right? I mean, human first, football player second, I would imagine, right? In that, in that regard, right? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, uh, having a platform that we have, um, you know, getting to utilize some of the resources that we have and experiences that we get on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, it's not quite the same for some other individuals around the country and around the world. So the thing that we try to do is, you know, try to bring a little bit of light and, and shed a little bit on, you know, how we can treat each other regardless of occupation, um, what you do for a living, regardless of your race, and just realize that we're all human. Um, we're all part of the same community and we all share this earth. So, you know, we feel like we can do that together in a positive way. You sound like you've had a good upbringing is what that sounds like to me. It sounds like you, you've had some good, good adults that have guided you along the way. Is that accurate? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I have, I have a few people in my life that, you know, have always been inspiring. Um, and from, you know, as young as I can remember, it's always just been you always treat people, um, you know, with dignity, pride and respect. And, you know, you, regardless of occupation or title, you treat people um, all the same, whether it's the CEO of a company to your local custodian or someone that you may cross, you know, you always treat them with the utmost respect. That's awesome. That's a great way to live, dude. Um, can you talk about also, I know you were active in, in getting people uh, to vote um, before the election. You, you were outspoken in that way too. Can you talk about that movement that you had and, and your part in that and how important it was? Yes, um, for me, um, I spent a lot of time really trying to just observe, um, really trying to learn and inform myself um, before and trying to form others. And then from there, it was really just listening to what, you know, what people needed and what people were feeling. So um, all back in my community here in Minneapolis, um, often you hear people ask for, you know, the supplies of your daily essentials, um, hand sanitizer, uh, food, different supplies, um, some kids needing things for school. So whatever it was, it was just trying to be there in that support system. Uh, hearing people talking about, you know, wanting to cause change and wanting to be active um, in terms of voting. Um, I just felt like, you know, if I could, you know, give them resources on what they, sh what they could be doing in terms of getting registered, where to go, and information like that, that um, I would be, you know, doing uh, a good thing in terms of staying along the lines of just helping people, not really getting into who you should vote, any of those things, just hear the resources, um, and it's your opportunity to do with, that, to do with those, whatever that you choose. Yeah, and, and you have another uh, foundation that you're involved with as well, Anthony, and I want to talk about that. What is One Love Foundation, and how did you get connected with them, and are you still connected with them? Yes, I'm still connected with One Love. Um, my first introduction was in college. 
um, where the organization originated after a young lady who was a student athlete at the University of Virginia. Um, she was killed after a domestic dispute. Um, so from there, it was pretty much just a learning experience um, and informing us of how to identify healthy and unhealthy relationships, whether that's for your personal health or whether that's for individuals around you, whether that's on campus or just in your day-to-day -day lifestyle. So for me, it was something growing up, uh, single household, uh, older sister, um, just having that desire of this is how I want to grow up in terms of when I have a relationship, I want it to be healthy and wishing that my family members also be treated the same way in terms of being in a healthy relationship. I decided to partner up and the first step was with my cause, my cleat, um, and just help raising awareness for the organization. And then from there it was, you know, doing different campaigns in season to try to help raise money to help them as well. It, it sounds like it sounds like a pretty powerful cause. I mean, it sounds like it, it could be really far reaching if, if the right people get behind it. That's that's uh, it's it's one of these things that's super important. It sounds like too. Yes, I mean, I think you know um, that's one thing that can kind of be overlooked in terms of you know a relationship with your partners and just how 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 habits can form. Um, and it may not be from, you know, being in an intimate relationship when you're older. It could just be as simple as small things when you're a child um, in terms of just how you treat people and then that carrying over into your relationships as well. What do you think the name's all about, One Love? I just think it's all about, you know, it kind of says itself. You know, One Love doesn't necessarily have an identity in terms of what that looks like. Um, it's just love is love. Um, and it's just in its purest form. So... Um, you know, enjoying one another, helping one another grow, and then starting early at a young age so that way you can form good habits um, that are everlasting and continue to move forward in a, in a positive relationship. How was your childhood growing up? It sounded like you said single parent. Am I right? Yeah, single parent. Um, mom's very hardworking, very small nucleus family. Uh, sports was, was, was really there in terms of basketball, football, keeping me busy. Um, spending a lot of time outside and a lot of time just around my family enjoying one another. So from there, it was just staying focused on school. Um, my sister was a big advocate for that, being one of the first to go to college in my family and being nine years older. Um, so she was a great mentor. And my mom was just there the whole time in terms of, you know, trying to tell me how to treat people um, and how I should carry myself out in public. Yeah. Wow. What a, what an awesome family. It sounds like your, your, your sister, really, what a great role model, uh, setting the bar internally. Yeah. You know? Yeah. She said, she set the bar pretty high, um, high school. She was into cheerleading, into the different, um, activities in school, one of the top in her class, went to college. Um, and now she works in the school system. So she started off as a special, special ed teacher. Then she moved over to a guidance counselor. So, um, the, the working in the school system, working with kids and just trying to be helpful to others around us kind of runs through our family. Um, and I think that's where it's kind of rubbed off on me a bit. Your mom must be so proud. <laughs> yeah. Seriously, right? Yeah. Um, you know, it's kind of my best friend uh, being there, working hard, um, seeing that work that she put in um, to be able to provide um, while also still having that smile on her face and provide us with a ton of love. So um, she's put a lot of fuel in my tank for many years to run, and I'm um, just trying to continue to make her proud on a daily basis. Back with more from Viking Safety, Anthony Harris.
But first, I want to introduce you folks to a guy that is sitting across from me right now, looking awfully dapper, by the way. <laughs> Michael Bryant, thanks so much for being here and joining us on Perkett Pod. I am glad to be here. Tell us about yourself. I, I know you're obviously the Bryant of Bradshaw and Bryant. Um, tell us about Bradshaw and Bryant. Bradshaw and Bryant is a law firm that does plaintiff's personal injury. We represent people who are injured through no fault of their own, and we also do criminal defense. So we have a full-time criminal lawyer. I've done criminal work since I started with John Bradshaw back in 1991. I still do a little bit of criminal, but for the most part, I do plaintiff personal injury and represent lots of people in car accidents. Uh, I do a number of cases involving survivors that have been sexually abused. And then we get involved in a number of different personal injury type cases. So you're a busy guy. I try to be. You mentioned Bradshaw, not Terry Bradshaw from the Pittsburgh Steelers from, <laughs> from the days of yore, right? I mean, this is, no, yeah. uh, not that guy. But but what, <laughs> but what about your team? How, how many how many how many are on your uh, are on your side there? Well, we have two lawyers in the Minneapolis office, mm-hmm. uh, and then in St. Cloud we. Have have uh there's five of us so i think total i have anywhere between seven and nine depending on how you do the math and you're a sports fan too uh very big sports fan i grew up in rhode island and uh I'm a diehard Red Sox fan, no matter what. And then I moved to Minnesota in 1982 and got infected with, you know, liking the Vikings and and, and caring about the Twins. And, and you played sports, too, growing up, right? I played hockey. Yeah. I was a goaltender. Uh, I played some juniors. And I played, uh, I was going to play college hockey. And then found out there was a lot more to life than stopping hockey pucks. And again, where can people reach you, Mike? People can reach us at minnesotapersonalinjury.com. We have a place you can comment there, and there's also a chat that pops up there. Or they can call 800-770-7008. Great chatting with you. Thanks for being a friend of Perkett Pod here, and we'll uh, we'll catch you next time. Thank you. And you were you said you were a basketball player too, right? I mean, that's that uh, was it. Was it ever hard to like choose? Was, was, was there had to have been a point where you said, "All right, ah, uh, what am I going to do?" Yeah, that, there was a moment um, where, I, where I almost uh, put the football cleats on the rack and uh, focused solely on basketball. Seriously? Um, I, yeah, yeah. Going into high school, uh, I had done a ton of traveling for AAU, um, done, a, done a bit more camps in terms of football wasn't a big exposure sport in Virginia at the time. Uh, and colleges were on the radar. And I thought, you know, um, I really enjoy it. I was working hard at it. And the light switch for me was just getting on the football field and having a high school coach saying, Hey, um, with your size and your ability, um, I think you can really do some things in football. And for me, football was my first love. And it just happened that basketball at the time was um, looking like a more promising path. Uh, But I chose to, you know, go with my heart, um, stick to football. And it's gotten me this far. Vikings fans, thank you for that decision. Uh, as long ago as it was, or as is a is a pretty great decision for uh, for for the Skull Vikings family, that's sure. But like you, you were a lot of different positions. If I'm right, I mean, in in Virg- at your high school in Virginia, right? You were not you were not a safety all the time. Yeah, um, I originally started off at just corner and receiver, um, and then my coach decided I used to joke around throwing the football saying, hey, coach, check me out. And the following year, he thought it'd be a good idea to pick me at quarterback. So um, I played two years at quarterback and just played a little bit of corner and then moved to safety once I went to college. And did you like safety immediately? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I liked corner. That was fun. Um, Safety was fun as well, getting a blitz and 
and the physical aspect of it that was I felt like natural to me in terms of um, just being a physical player. So it ended up transitioning well. Um, safety being having to be a big communicator to transition well from being that quarterback and just knowing the different route concepts and seeing more of the field. Um, it was a lot of fun for me. Yeah, you had a great, great, great career at Virginia. And then and then you come out um, all excited that you're going to get drafted. But then all of a sudden this injury comes up. Um, can you tell us about that and what a damper that put on when it when it happened in your senior year? Yeah, um, it uh, going into, you know, my senior year, I decided to come back to college. Uh, wanted to try to, you know, go out with a really good season, not much as an individual, more so as a team aspect, helping, trying to rebuild the program. But you were, um, as a junior, you were like All-American. I mean, you were like, your junior year was phenomenal, right? You could have gone out. Yeah, my junior year, I, I had a big season. Um, I think I had seven or eight interceptions. Um, had a pretty solid season, but decided, you know, I wanted to come back, wanted to get my degree. And ultimately, you know, I wanted to be with that senior class and, and try to do some things that hadn't been done, which is, you know, beating our rivals, which we hadn't done in a while, and finish on a very positive note in terms of team wins. Um, so that was my focus. Um, and unfortunately, I ended up needing shoulder surgery um, after the season and as well as broke my hand in the last game. So, oh, so no, November and December was a busy month for me in terms of getting those things taken care of and trying to prepare for the draft and which I couldn't do much in terms of physical being able to be on the field. Yeah. And so you weren't drafted. And then, and then what did that do for you after that seventh round went by or whatever, and, and you didn't hear your name called where, where were you at? What was your headspace out at that, at that point? Um, it was a, it was a roller coaster day. Um, me being a man of strong faith and just, you know, kind of stood there firm and had the faith and belief that, something positive would come from it and that whatever my destiny was and whatever it was meant for me would find its way towards me. So I sat there as different rounds went by, um, got a few phone calls from teams informing me that they were interested, but maybe out of picks and then got the opportunity to sign with the Minnesota Vikings and, and jumped on it right away. Was excited um, after talking to the coaches and coming on a few visits uh, pre-draft and things of that sort. So I was excited. It was just about now I have an opportunity. Um, I'm, I know I'm going to get my body where it needs to be and then I can return and be a good player in which I had the confidence and I thought I had the capability prior. Yeah, and you were on the practice squad initially, uh, but but eventually got your shot through injuries to, to other good Vikings players. And, and uh, when you got your shot, man, how, how important was it to just – how hyped and amped were you in that first game and how important was it to just kind of like – focus on doing what you knew you could do as opposed to just getting too caught up in the moment or whatever. Yeah. I mean, I, I was extremely excited uh, being on the practice squad um, and having a team full of veterans, a lot of talent. It allowed me to, you know, watch some guys and, and learn how to be a professional in terms of preparation and getting ready for games. So even though I was on a practice squad, I spent most of the time preparing as if I was on an active roster in terms of being up on the game plan, making sure my body was where it needed to be. And I waited for two weeks in terms of, you know, had the possibility to go active, but didn't. So I think I was mentally prepared um, leading up to the opportunity. And it was just a little bit of excitement and anxiousness to get out there and, and, and make some plays. And once the moment came, it was just I just felt like I was ready for it and went and played.
Yeah, and you sure blossomed. My goodness, you you you've really turned into a great great player uh, for Mike Zimmer and that entire team. It's not you and Harry are. That's a pretty doggone good one-two punch back there, isn't it? Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Um, you know, coming in as a rookie, you know, seeing a guy of that caliber um, and that type of ability, just watching him, you know, learning how he prepares, uh, visualizing what it takes week in and week out to prepare yourself for games. Um, it was a lot of fun. And then just knowing that, you know, you can you have the opportunity to get out there, pair up with them, and, you know, try to cause some havoc for offenses, it was exciting. So when it happened, it was just all about, you know, I'm ready to go. Um, let's let's go out there and just have some fun. Yeah, and and you know, we I think this year there were some there were trade rumors and all this stuff. Of, uh, you know, whether you're caught up in that or not. Um, bottom line is you're still a Minnesota Viking, and we're totally totally good with that. Um, but but is that is that hard, Anthony? When when that stuff starts spitting around or swirling around out there uh, to tune out uh, and get too caught up in. No, I mean, I think like, like anything else, you just try to enjoy the opportunities. Um, you just try to control what you control. And that's kind of the concept that you try to carry over, um, whether that's for in-game preparation, handling ups and downs um, of, of plays and moments in the game. So, you know, when you reach a point like that in the season where things are kind of rolling around in terms of trade rumors, you don't really focus on that. You know, you just focus on coming in the locker room each day and enjoying the guys in the locker room uh, enjoying the preparation. And then when you're on the field, you know, enjoying the game that you love. So yeah. for me, it's just about focusing on those things and letting the rest um, just sort out or go wherever they go. And it sounded like, uh, it sounds like as a man of faith, as, as you say, um, that, that that's a good place to be when it comes to stuff like that, right? I mean, to, to know that stuff's going to take care of itself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that helps out. That helps out a bit, um, you know, just giving it to God. Um, and then just, you know, doing what you do, um, staying grounded in who you are, how you carry yourself, not only as a, as a player, but as an individual. So for me and, and guys in the locker room, some of those things are a bit easier to do in terms of just staying true to yourself. That's one of the things I appreciate about Dalvin this offseason because there's all that talk about, well, is he going to get his extension? Is he going to, you know, what does this mean? And is he going to hold out or anything like that? And he just kept, you know, putting his best foot forward and said, you know what, I, I'm going to do my best. And it, if, if it's meant to be, it'll be, and it, it'll take care of itself. I'm sure they'll take care of me, blah, blah, blah. And sure enough, you know, it, it did. And he's, he's so good, isn't he? Yeah, he, that guy's electrifying. Um his ability, you know, to, to make plays uh, on the field. And then his energy just within the locker room um, doesn't say a ton, but uh, when he walks in, he lights up a room. So we're, we're glad that we were able to get him. When we come back, a rapid-fire two-minute drill with Harris. But first, got to take this time to chat with Sean Bernard, who is kind enough to be here with us today. Sean Bernard is, an, is a real estate agent for Edina Realty, kind of a rock star real estate agent, aren't you? <laughs> I have fun, man. That's a, that's a reason why I'm glad that I did this partnership with you and sponsor your show is that we both have a similar mindset that we are going to have a good time. Well, we appreciate you, you know, being a friend of, of, of Perkett Pod and, and helping us out in so many ways. But if you would talk about your, your agency and, and, uh, and what you're able to do as an agent. Well, yeah, you know, it, it really comes down to the homework, you know, doing your homework, doing the research. And I pride myself on that. I learned a long time ago that I'm a big nerd. This time of the year, what I'm really working on is people that are planning three to six to nine months from now. 
Uh, if people are interested, if it's you or somebody else you know that's interested in buying or selling, give me a call at 612-859-2594. That number is also text-worthy. Well, I know, I know you've got things to be doing, but I, but I do want to finish uh, kind of like uh, with a two-minute drill, if you will. Uh, so, you know, say that I'm Aaron Rodgers or whoever. No, don't say Aaron. I don't want to be Aaron Rodgers. No, but to say, I'm, I, you know, I'm running a two-minute drill and, and, you're, and you're just rapid fire on defense, no huddle, just going, going. So the, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shoot 11 questions at you, and I want your rapid fire answers on 11 questions, okay? All right. I'm on the spot, Anthony. All right. Uh, <laughs> Favorite sport to watch? Football. Okay. Okay. Um, uh, your name is Anthony. People call you Ant. Curious, do you like ants? Yeah. It's like kind of like my spirit animal, you know? Uh, <laughs> when I see ants out in the community, I'm always joking with people. That's my cousin. And I like to think that that's like a, a superhuman strength of mine. It's just they're strong together. That's awesome. Do you like uncles? No, I'm just kidding. That's not one of the questions. Um, favorite road city to visit? When, when you can, like, like not this season when it's pandemic and you just rush to the hotel, but like favorite road city? I would probably have to say uh, Miami just for the weather. Um, yeah. Haven't had the opportunity to play there. Um, looking forward to see what that would be like. That would have been exciting this past year to be able to get the opportunity um, but I'd say Miami in terms of food and just weather. Favorite stadium in the NFL? Seattle. Okay. Yeah. And aside from U.S. Bank Stadium is what I'm saying. Yeah, but easy Seattle. Yeah. Next question, is Mike Zimmer scary when he's angry? No. I think for a younger guy, it can be. Uh, for, for a veteran, when you're there, you know, you know um, what he's like and, and his personality. Um, it's igniting, uh, but it doesn't bother you much. Yeah, awesome. Favorite spot in Minnesota to visit or to hang out in or, or to go to? or Foodie, um, I like Sushi Fix. Um, Bala Grasso is one of my favorite. Uh, you can catch me in there often trying to grab some pasta when it wasn't too busy. Unfortunately, they're not open right now and they've been closed for a while. Favorite musical artist? Drake. Okay. So hip-hop, too, is your favorite yeah. genre, then. Yeah. Um, funniest guy on the Vikings. Who's sneaky funny that we wouldn't expect, necessarily? I think, I think Eric Kendricks is pretty funny. Um, sneaky, funny guy. Chris Boyd's funny as well. Those are good answers. I, I, no, yeah. I totally, I, I've seen it. I've seen it. I, I, <laughs> I, I, I like Chris Boyd. I think he's a good player, dude. Um, okay, favorite video game? Call of Duty. Okay. Do you play video games? A little bit. I'm, yeah. I play Madden. I play Madden a little bit. That's more of a playing a game with friends. Uh, much more of a playing a game with friends I know than I am just like an online player. Yeah, yeah. Fa and favorite food, I think you touched on that. It's either sushi or pasta, sounds like to me, right? Yep. All right. Yeah. And, then, and then the best part about being a pro football player, Anthony. <laughs> I think that's the best part. Um, you know, you get to go out and play a game you love um, and you get paid for it and the stadiums are packed and filled with a ton of energy. Anthony Harris, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate you taking the time with us today and, uh, and all, all the best moving forward, dude. I hope you're a Viking for a long time. Hey, thank you. I appreciate you for having me. It was a ton of fun. That'll do it for this episode of Perkett Pod. We want to thank our partners, Audio Wiz, Justin Bailey, theme song by Taylor Robert. Keep listening weekly for another episode with Minnesota sports influencers and icons on Perkett Pod. Feel free to share this podcast. Give us a simple subscribe click. It doesn't cost you a thing. Heart us, rate us, double tap us, whatever you want. And until next time, remember, shine bright. Don't be afraid to be weird. 
and open your hearts to inclusion. Peace. Perk and Pond, sometimes he's at play. Perk and Pond, find out what he'll say. Perk and Pond, who's coming on today?